Hello listeners, welcome to episode 16 of the Author Accountability Podcast. I'm Brianne and here with me covering Donna's maternity leave is Pagan. Hello Pagan. Hi. How are you today? I'm doing quite good. How are you? I'm very tired because obviously we are in opposite sides of the world. So for me, it's half past six in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) For me, Um, it's 4.30 in the afternoon. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, normally I'd be fine because it would just be me in my little office writing my novel but um yes this morning I'm chatting to you which is quite nice because we hardly ever get to do this because we're on opposite sides of the world yeah it's quite good I'm actually kind of tired as well because I I visited a friend on the weekend so Mm -hmm. I drove home today and that took me three hours so I've just been yeah I've just been driving all day so I'm kind of feeling tired too but it's all good Mm -hmm. yeah so three hours so how far like where was that obviously I know Australia is a big country so it takes like (laughs) 10 hours to go from one side to the other but (laughs) so where I live is um it's like a regional town which means while it's not super small it's not near anything convenient and so like our nearest city is an hour away but where my friend lives is in the next nearest city which is three hours away so it's yeah it's like a three-hour drive but on top of that because it's all rural there was like road works and all sorts of stuff so it was quite a long distance but it was fine (laughs) I'm used to it (laughs) well it was worth it obviously it it was it was quite good yeah yeah so how are you getting on with like your writing projects and stuff yeah it's been interesting because I'm actually taking a bit of a break from writing this year Mm -hmm. like from my main brand So not a lot of people know that I'm working on a secret book that is under a secret pen name. And yeah, yeah, I've only told a few people. So that's going quite well. I've made quite a bit of progress Mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm going to be able to finish it this month because I write quite fast, but I'm definitely not there yet. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I know how you feel. I'm currently writing the last chapter for the first novella in Project Caradine. And I always find that the ends drag for me because I just don't want it to end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I um, I sometimes get a bit stuck on the ends as well because I feel like they have to be so impactful or else it just leaves the reader so dissatisfied. So yeah, I, I kind of sit there and go, is this good enough? <laughs> and stress over it for quite a while. Yeah. If Game of Thrones taught me anything, it's the ending needs to be good. Otherwise you piss off a lot of people. <laughs> Oh, yes. Especially when they've been with you for such a long time throughout a series. Like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So what tasks are you working on this week that relate to writing? So this week, I really do need to buckle down and get this done. Mm -hmm. I have it scheduled in for editing. So I have um, I had a half finished draft that I did last year and I've been working off of that but I've been kind of expanding it as I go. So I'm on chapter 11 out of, I estimate to be around 31 chapters. And I'm, I'm actually happy with those 11 chapters finally, but I do, I do need to like write the rest of it. And I think out of the chapters I did last year, I've got maybe 10 more written that I just need to like go back through, expand on and um, change the ordering if needed to fit the the more fleshed out outline I have. And then from there, it's just about like getting to the end. So I've kind of like, it's getting harder the further through I get basically, but it's, I think I'll be all right. Do you write out of order then? Um, not usually. It's, um, 
usually I try to go in chronological order. So with this, because I changed the order of events with my new storyline, I have to like go through it chapter by chapter and go, okay, I need to push this back or I need to move this forward. Um, And that's been kind of challenging because I haven't done that before. And Mm. It, I find I found it's been working quite well. Like I, the, the chapters are so much better when I do them. But it's um, when I'm when I'm in it, it's kind of like, oh my gosh, like where does this even go? And is this going to work? And then it's like I have to flesh it all out more, and there's so much more work. So, I mean, it's it's not comfortable when you do it, but then when it's done, it's great. Yeah, because I was um, looking on Instagram the other day, and literally I was following someone who was writing their book out of order, and I'm like. I don't understand how people do this. Neither do I really, because like, I mean, if I just sat down and went, okay, I'm going to start on chapter 20, because that's the idea I have. I would not know how to fit that in eventually, because how do you even know that you haven't like screwed up a plot hole or like, I don't know. It just seems like you wouldn't even know what's going to happen until you get there. So how can you possibly write something and go, I'll just slot it in and have it fit perfectly. Yeah, I have no idea how people's minds work. Yeah. It baffles me. It baffles me. And I, the only thing I can write out of order is the outline. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think the reason that I've been able to kind of restructure my novel is because I have the outline and I've had to follow that and make sure it actually is going to fit when I move Mm. things around. And that's kind of given me kind of a blueprint for it. I can't just sit down and go, well, I'm going to work on the last chapter because I don't know where this is going. (laughs) Honestly, like with, with the novella that I'm currently writing at the moment, I kind of put myself in a bit of a rut. I've managed to get out of it now, but I kind of put myself in a bit of a rut because I was like, my first attempt at writing a novella didn't go well in the sense that Mm. it's not a novella. It's basically just a short novel because it's about 42,000 words long. And I was like, okay, so like next time that I write a novella, I know that I can do it about 35,000 words. Well, I'm nearing the end and I'm only just getting to 20,000 words. (laughs) Yeah, I think like, I've, I think I've done that before with a novella and gone, hmm, is this long enough? But mm. that's actually pretty normal for a novella. So I think like you actually hit the mark quite well. Um, and I think that like, I don't know about you, but when, when I was in school and we had to like do short stories for say homework or an assignment, that would be my biggest struggle, trying to keep a story within say 10 pages. I could not do that. So I think it makes a lot of sense that you want to write more and more. And mm. so I think for you to actually get to 20,000 and be like, the story is done and to have that intentionally be a novella is actually a huge achievement considering that as writers, we tend to go on and on and on. Yeah. And the the more, because originally I was like, holy crap, I'm at like the halfway point and I'm only at like 9,000 words. Um, mm. That was when I started to be like, oh, it's not going to be long enough and it's it's not going to work and my plans failed. And then I was like, wait, it's a novella. It doesn't need to be that long. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think like as well, something to remember is um, like, I, I don't know, like with my first Ryan Rupert book, that was the first draft, the very first crappy draft years and years ago was only about 50,000 words, which is not a normal novel, novel length. And mm-hmm. so I I went through and rewrote that book eventually and obviously improved on my skills and was able to flesh it out from there. And so I think it's also important to remember with books that sometimes the story is not done the first time and you can come back and you can improve on it even when you thought there was nothing left to add just because you get better as a writer. And so 
even if you never get to the intended word count goal, you can always come back and, and kind of improve on that later. And you'll always be able to do it because you'll always improve. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that's like great advice for, any, for anyone who is listening, but also that is literally when, when I kind of accepted the fact that this was going to be a short novella, it's not short, but there we are. Um, <laughs> I was like, well, I allocated three months to work on it. So I'm planning to finish it by the end of this week. And then my plan for March is to just reread it and then add things in where I need to. But yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of at the stage where I'm like, I don't want the story to end. So I'm not really writing that many words because I just don't want to finish the story. But yeah, I just need to remind myself that I have like seven more books to write for this series. So I really am not like, you know, it's not like I'm ending the series. Like I have more to write with these characters. I don't know. My head's in a weird space at the minute. (laughs) (laughs) I think like something here, this is turning into a coaching session, but okay. Um, (laughs) Even, um, I guess like the first question that came to mind for me was with the novella, does it feel like that particular story, like that um, the intention for that book is finished? Because if you feel like you don't want the story to end and there's more to write, maybe there is still something that you, that you want to write with this book that you can go back and add in. Otherwise, like, just like you said, like there's going to be more books that cover more specific, I guess, like adventures or, um, parts of the overall plot that you know are intended for that specific book so like I think it's a matter of figuring out is this specific part finished or or is there more to add here or can it you know go into another book because I don't know about you but I hate it when I read say I see this a lot with sequels when I read a book and you can tell it's just been fleshed out for the sake of getting a word count down but then Hmm. they could have told the story much faster and it actually would have been better to go that way because of pacing and all sorts of stuff so I don't think it's a bad thing to like have a story be short and finished but told well and I think like um if you know that that's all that needs to be said in that book that's totally fine and I suppose that's the beauty of being indie you're not conformed to you know industry norms of word counts exactly I I have to say I think like the reason that people or the reason that there are particular word count goals. It's probably got a lot to do with marketing and printing and just like um, the worth of like having to print out that many pages and have it be financially sustainable. So, I mean, yeah, being indie, you can do whatever you want and you can, you can put books out however you want. There's so many things you can do, which I love about being indie. Yeah, 100%. Um, right, so we're going to get into like the fun stuff now. Okay. <laughs> so... What books are you reading at the moment? Okay, I have been reading um, the Throne of Glass series by Sarah J. Mass. I'm on book three. I was listening to the audiobook on my way back, and I'm also juggling the um, the next, the most recent one that came out for the uh, Court of Thorns and Roses series, the the um, Court of Silver and Flames. I'm reading that as well, but as mm-hmm. an ebook, so two different formats there. Um, and when I'm not reading that, sometimes I'm picking up that, um, what is it called? Um, a heart so fierce and broken, uh, which is the second book. Yeah. It's the second book in this. Um, I think it was, um, what was it called? I forget the name of the series. Yeah. I can't remember the series. I can remember the name of the third book because that's only just come out. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm reading that and I've been trying to read that for 
about a year actually. And I just, I'm at a really weird point and I, I just can't get through that point, but I know it's, it's going to get better. I just, I haven't been able to sit down and properly finish it. So like when I'm not reading Sarah J Maas, I'm reading that. <laughs> yeah. So two big, big fantasy books there, which is, I like to hear it. I like to hear it. Are you enjoying them? Yeah, I am. I, I try to read stuff that I'm not writing Mm-hmm. Um, like I'll still stick in the same genre, but I, I try not to read like, say, cause uh, my book's about mermaids. I'm not going to read about mermaids because I don't like to get influenced by other authors, but I want to stay in the same kind of like, like world building and, um, you know, fantasy and magic, just so I know I'm, I'm not going to suddenly get inspired to write a contemporary or something. So that's kind of like where that writing process comes in, but yeah, I'm really enjoying them. Mm. Yeah. So I'm still reading A Storm of Silver and Ash which is kind oh, yeah. of like, it's 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 about like assassins and stuff. And um, like there's a thieves guild and it kind of gives me like Skyrim vibes, which I'm really yeah. loving. And then I've just started reading A Reaper of Souls. Um, Ooh, very good. Yeah, so I read, I read Kingdom of Souls and mm-hmm. that book literally blew my mind. Like it was, I read it in like a day because it was so good. Um, mm-hmm. And then HarperCollins reached out and was like, hey, do you want like a free copy of book two if you'll review it? And I was like, yes. Yes. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> so yeah, I've got that. That's amazing. And then, and then my friend recently put like her book book haul up on Instagram stories. So I've just bought um, Finley Donovan is Killing It. Um, and it's oh. about this, um, just, just this girl who is writing a novel and then she's talking about it and gets mistaken for a hitman. And oh then my gosh. contracted to kill somebody. And I was like, this sounds hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> How does it even happen? I don't know, but I'm excited to find out. So I'm just waiting for that to arrive because I bought a hard copy on Amazon. So once that arrives, I will be loving that. Because I think I read so much fantasy. Sometimes it's nice to just throw something in there that's not related to any genre that you write. Yeah, I do that a lot. I, I'll like have these long periods of like binging fantasy and then I'll, mm. I'll like pivot all of a sudden. And it's got to be a book that really gets my interest, but I like changing it up every now and then. Yeah. So I have also um, recently bought the, um, it's the four book series by Kendra Blake, I think is her name. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is that the? The, the um, Three Dark Crown series. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've so- got the first book for that. I haven't read it yet. I bought it like three years ago. <laughs> it's well, just been sitting on my shelf. I was just, you know, flicking through Amazon as you do and it came up and it was like, yeah, it's £15 for the set. And I was like, four books for 15 quid? Bought them. What a steal. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm kind of waiting until I'm in a place where I can just like binge the whole series. I also really need to finish reading um, Elise Cova's Vortex Vision series because I... I'm a really bad reader where if I know it's going to be a series, I won't read book one until I've got all of them so that I can just continually read. Yeah. So now that I have them all. But the other thing is she tends to put me into like massive book hangovers. Oh, yeah. So the last time I read one of her books was in 2016 and I read all five books of the Air Awakened series and I couldn't read again for about nine months. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I just don't know if I'm ready for that. (laughs) yeah no that that's pretty intense I can totally understand that (laughs) like that's like that's how good it is you just you just you have no words afterwards you're just like well I've just been on a really emotional ride and I don't know how to get off 
<laughs> that is amazing. Yes. So if anyone hasn't read any of Elise Cova's books, go and check them out because they're awesome. I'll definitely have to check those out. Mm. Um, are you watching like any TV at the moment? Any series? Any movies? I just finished watching The Office for the first time. Okay. I've still never watched all of it. I've seen random episodes. Yeah. I, I kind of just binged it. <laughs> I I don't know. I, I was in the mood for a sitcom, which is I'm really in the mood for a sitcom. And I sat down and I started watching and then suddenly I was done. <laughs> I don't know how <laughs> I got there, but it was quite good. I really enjoyed it. Um, I didn't know if I was going to at first. It seemed very cringy. And I kind of like, you know, got through the first few episodes and went, hmm, can I stick this out? But it was the romance that kept me hooked for a bit. And then the characters grew on me. So yes, yeah, very much did enjoy that. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I sat down to watch a couple of episodes and then it finished. <laughs> I think yes, we can I, all relate to that in some way or another. <laughs> yeah, I actually, um, a few weeks ago, I was wanting to watch The Office and I was also wanting to play Skyrim at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I set it up and I did both at the same time. And it was quite, it was quite good. <laughs> The best way to do it. This is why I'm saving up to um, get Skyrim on my Switch so that I can watch TV and then just play Skyrim at the same time. Oh, that's amazing. That's that's some pro stuff there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I obviously I've got it on the Xbox, but I have to use the TV to do that. So then I'd have to like set up my iPad or stuff. I mean, I mm. do do that sometimes. Like this weekend, I've literally just played Sims all weekend with Lost Girl playing on my iPad. So I've had yeah. Like, both going at the same time and I suppose I did a similar thing to you I was like oh I'll just watch a couple of episodes I'm now like at the end of season two (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I watch my I mean I use my iPad for like Netflix all the time I rarely watch it on a TV and I guess it's just I'm a bit weird I like to carry it around with me as I'm doing stuff so it's just it makes it convenient but I do that most frequently yeah I even have like a stand dedicated for my iPad just so that I yeah me too (laughs) (laughs) um and then the other thing that I'm watching is I've decided to do a rewatch of the originals um Mm. it's just such a great series I'm really sad that they ended it so terribly I I really love the vampire diaries I watched that maybe once a year just because I really like it um and then I tried to watch the originals and I got through season one and I just didn't like it. I don't know what it was. I just couldn't keep going. And I tried and I just really lost interest. But I was never a huge fan of Klaus. So that's probably got a lot to do with it. What? I, I know. I'm probably the only person who doesn't like him. Oh, I, I don't think we can be friends anymore. Who doesn't like Klaus? Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll see myself out. Wait. Thoughts on Elijah? Yeah, he's okay. Okay. That's fine. Right. We, can, we can still be friends. <laughs> no see my problem is I can't watch the vampire diaries past season six because I just can't get used to it without Elena in it Mm. yeah that was was really hard for me first yeah I mean it was definitely definitely weird um and I wouldn't say those are my favorite seasons either but one of my favorite characters is Caroline so the fact that she got a more prominent role like that really helped I was really interested in seeing how things happened for her. And I think without her, I may have actually lost interest as well. Mm. Yeah. Maybe I'll try and like watch it again then. Cause I, I think I've slowly over the many years that I've rewatched the vampire diaries, I think I've slowly gotten through 
more and more of season seven as I've gone. Mm. I, I'm really glad I did watch it through to the end because the final episode made me cry the first time and it makes me cry every other time oh. I watch it. It, it's just so good. It's so well done. Um, but I have to say there are some things about the ending that really rubbed me the wrong way. And I don't want to spoil anything, so I won't say it, but like, I think some things are very unfair, but I'm, I mean, I, I have, I'm happy I have watched, ending. I have watched the final episode of season eight. Cause I was like, oh, okay. I, I need to see how it ends. So I do know yeah. what happens. Okay. Um, can, can we talk about spoilers here or is that bad? <laughs> uh, yes. Listeners, if you've not watched Vampire Diaries, probably skip ahead for about five minutes. <laughs> Okay, so with like with um, Bonnie and Caroline, the fact that both of their love interests die and then mm. Elena gets her love interest, that really bothered me. I was like, how come she's the only one who gets a happy ending here? It just, I know that they all like, you know, went off and did their own thing anyway and, and were fine and independent, but it's just like, I don't know. I just, I really grew attached to all the couples. So it really bothered me that they all just died. And I was like, Why? <laughs> yeah see it took me a while to get like on the bonnie enzo train Mm, me too but then but then once i was there i was like this this is such a good bond like it was it was a better bond than bonnie and jeremy it definitely was it was like it was just very mature Mm. and i i think she needed that and i was so happy for her and i was so depressed for her (laughs) yeah yeah and then i kind of got really confused with Caroline because it was like she was with Alaric for the kids and then she was in love with Stefan and I was just like yeah god damn it pick one for her and let her be happy (laughs) and then you know I skipped ahead to the end of season eight and I was like okay he's gonna sacrifice himself for his brother what (laughs) yeah I'm sure they found a way to save him I read somewhere that one of the original planned endings was that both Stefan and Damon were going to die and yeah. that they were both going to look over her. And I was, I was like, I'm so glad that that didn't happen because that would have been so much worse. <laughs> yeah, imagine Elena waking up to find out that Damon was dead. She'd be like, she, she'd literally go, Catherine, she would just go on a rampage. She definitely would. And she's been through so much already that that would just be like, well, what was the point of all of this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, no. I do agree with you. It is sad, but also it kind of made sense that Elena did get her happy ending considering she'd spent two seasons in some kind of magical coma. Yeah. As much as it angers me, I am glad that she she had her happy ending for sure. I think someone needed to have a happy ending. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just wish that all three of them could have. Yeah, definitely. And you need to watch the originals because... I mean, I, as I said, I hate the ending of it, but like seasons one, two and three were just, they were just pure class. Like it, it made me fall in love with the Michaelsons and we all know how horrible they are. Yeah. Like it, it definitely gave you love and affection for the anti-heroes of, of that world because Rebecca, Rebecca is incredible. Cole even like shows that he has a heart like mm, okay. killer, killer Cole you know his his ice melts and he just becomes oh, his art yeah. is, is really good in it the ending okay. is shit though I will warn you the ending is is complete trash <laughs> okay I will make you a deal if you watch 
the final season of Vampire Diaries, I'll watch the originals and then we can discuss our thoughts. <laughs> I will take that deal. Fine. Okay. <laughs> okay. And then the spinoff, uh, there's like that third spinoff, uh, Legacies or something. Yeah. I I haven't, I tried to watch that as well, but it didn't make a lot of sense because I haven't watched the originals. So I haven't been able to get into that for totally different reasons and I might try that after. I don't think I will be able to get into it. Yeah. Because I actually don't like Hope's character. Okay. Okay, very interesting. I'll have to yeah. let you know what I think. So so and it I think it's because of the final two seasons of the originals that has made me not like her. So yeah. I don't know if I'll be able to get on with legacies. My my best friend watches it though, and she said it's awesome. So maybe I okay. should give that a go, but yeah. Yeah, I remember I tried to watch the first episode and I was so confused. I was like, who are these people? What is going on? I cannot follow this at all. No amount of Googling helped me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the the few like random, I don't know, trailers, I suppose, that I've seen on like YouTube where it like shows you random clips of random episodes. Yeah. Hasn't really made me want to watch it either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that definitely helps when you see something and you're like, hmm, that looks really good. <laughs> yeah, I think the only one that did like turn my interest was when the main character turned up to a school in literally full on like head to toe black leather. And I was like, wait, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sometimes it takes one character in it and you're like, all right, I'll watch it just for that one character. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay, so discussion topic. How should you start marketing for your book? Okay. Okay, where do I start with this? <laughs> um, it kind of depends, like, it depends on a few things. It depends, like, where you're at in the process and what your strengths are, really. So, I mean, if if someone came to me and said, how do I market my book? The first thing I would probably ask them is, like, first of all, do you know how to launch a book? Mm-hmm. And if their answer was no, I'd be like, okay, that's what you need to learn first because launching is like your foundation for making money. A launch will generate revenue. So that would be the first thing. But then to get deeper into that is like, you know, you start out by figuring out who your ideal reader is because if you don't know that and you don't know that really well, none, nothing that you do is ever going to convert. Like not your mes- your messaging for your marketing, none of your funnels that you put together, none of your ads like that, that is really key. And even like to have your book blurb and your cover resonate with your ideal reader. If you don't know that, then you're just wasting money and throwing it away by, you know, getting this really nice cover that is not going to speak to your ideal reader. So I think, yeah, I think as a starting point, that is definitely the first step to take is to get really clear and do market research on similar books to yours to figure that out. Yeah, definitely. And I think, that's like one of the things that I did when I was getting the covers for um, the Kane saga. I was like, I had like an idea of who my ideal reader was at the time. Like, so we're talking like three years ago, obviously since mm. then I've worked with you and now I'm like crystal clear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's, yeah. So I had like an idea and, but one of the things I did was I did research. So I went onto Amazon and I kind of like put in keywords, which I thought would match my book. And then I just looked at all the covers that were there. Um, yeah and then one of the things that my designer asked me to do was to find similar covers that I liked or that I thought would Mm. resonate with my book 
And then the thing that he came back with was literally, he got it perfect in one shot. Like that was, it was just so good. (laughs) Yeah. And I think like the clearer you are, the easier that's going to be. And the more likely you're going to get exactly what you want back as well. So doing like doing the work of sitting down and, and thoroughly researching, I think it really pays off. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And to be fair, it didn't really, I know I probably should have spent longer, but you know, three, three years ago, I wasn't really that interested. Um, but I think it only took me about like half an hour. Yeah. Because yeah, I literally I think, just like... typed in fantasy with dragons and elves and then like all of these books came up and I was like, okay, I like this one. I like this one. Not really keen yeah. on that one. And Yeah. You know, and I think, I think like what writers, a lot of writers tend to do is like, they really don't spend a lot of time in it that they sometimes they'll think like oh it's probably similar to this one book and then that's the only one they go with and mm. they they really don't take the time to sit down and and do it um and then they they just don't have that clarity that they need and i think like if you sit down and you do it properly the one time you'll never have to do it again because if you're writing a series that's going to get you clear for the entire series like you'll never have to do it again for that book or that series and so it's really worth you know, spending half an hour, which again, is really not that much time to sit down and, and, you know, find a a couple of good examples that you can always come back to. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And the other thing as well is, I mean, I'm just going to plug you here because literally the resource that you made is perfect. The launch calendar Trello template that you made has literally saved my life. (laughs) I get so many reviews about that. Like so many people come to me and say, this is amazing. And it was like the easiest thing for me to throw together. I, I only charged $7 for it because it was so easy. I, I was like, you can you can do this yourself. I mean, it might take you an hour to, to redo it, but that's why you can just buy mine for $7. But yeah, like that has, I use that as well for myself. It's so good. And it just, it really takes the guesswork out of it. And I, I'm always laughing because whenever someone buys it, they come back and go, this is amazing. It's probably the best thing you've ever created, better than any course or anything. <laughs> yeah, because I think so many people get so hung up on like how they should market or how they should launch or what the steps are to do things. Whereas that that Trello board literally just, it just gives you six months worth of things to do to launch your book. And you're just like, well, this made it so much easier. <laughs> Yeah. And like, it's so cool. Cause like you can literally copy a, a column and just keep expanding it if you want to. Um, and I mean, the way I did it was for beginner authors. So it kind of eases into gradually getting more and more topics, but if you're already experienced, you just create, you like, you copy the end board and you just keep duplicating and you just go from there and it, it'll serve you forever. It's really good. Yeah. And to be fair, I think, I think the best thing about that is like you say, you say it's for beginner authors, but also I think it's for like the beginning of a series. So you could start at board one every time mm. you start a new series or every time you start like a different, even if it was a standalone, you could start at the beginning of that just for that one. And it's just, it has so much value. And yeah, I genuinely can't believe it's only $7. Like I didn't know that that yeah. was the price. <laughs> well, I see, I know it's got heaps of value, but whenever I think about charging more for it, I'm like for a Trello board that anyone can recreate, it just doesn't seem like yeah. like I can do that but I, I think I should be charging more for it because like the prompts within it are really good but I, I won't charge more for it because I just I really think I like having it accessible and I think that if it takes the guesswork out of it like that's such a win for me because so many authors get 
so tripped up on that. And it's really such a small part of the marketing process. There's so much more to spend your time and energy learning that I'd really just rather give them an easy solution and move on. So it is quite good. Yeah, a hundred percent. And for anyone who wants that, I will put a link in the show notes as well. So you can go and check that out because I swear by it. It's literally one of the best things that I have ever put into my author arsenal. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for that. No problem. But yeah, I mean, apart from like social media and stuff, would you recommend like ads or, you know, maybe getting book bub deals or like what other things can can writers do to to start marketing other than just shouting on social media? Hello, I have a book. Yeah, I um, I also think it depends on like one, where you're at in your author journey and two, uh, kind of like the way you want to be doing things. So like for me, I knew I wanted to not be doing a lot of manual marketing work. And the way that I saw people marketing when I first started out was posting in Facebook groups. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. So I really worked on building, you know, passive email marketing funnels and, and that's fine and all. But another way to passively make income is to run ads. So if you're not interested in being very like personally involved in the process. If you don't enjoy marketing, that's what I'd recommend. But if you do enjoy marketing and you kind of like to have fun with it and be really involved with it, then I think social media is the best way to go because it's just going to be like, you can do all sorts of stuff with it, but it's also going to be free and you're not going to have to spend any money on that. You can do both as well. Um, But the other thing to think about is if you're just starting out and you don't have an ad budget and you're not generating enough money from your books to have about to have an ad budget, I wouldn't recommend it. It's going to take some trial and error to do the ads Um, and you, you don't need ads to get started. That's why in my courses, I teach an organic process because you'll always be able to do it for free. And that platform will serve you for years and years if you build it from, from day one. So like the short answer is really like social media is the foundation and I would recommend building that no matter what. But then whether you put your time and effort fully into social media or you spread it from social media to ads is kind of dependent on how involved you want to be personally. That would be my my answer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've just blown my mind, so. <laughs> I'm sure everyone else listening is like, wow, that made so much sense. <laughs> Either that or I made zero sense because it's always one or the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, my, for me, when I started, marketing became a bit of a taboo subject for me. I was like, I don't, I don't get it, so I don't want to learn about it. But yeah, obviously, since being in your membership and having all the resources that you give us, like, you've made it so much easier for me to understand. Yeah. Which I think, yeah, sorry. (laughs) Which then kind of, it stops being such a scary subject. So it's easier to fit it into like your everyday things. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the biggest struggle is definitely when you don't understand something, it can feel super overwhelming. And especially because When I first started with marketing, the thing is I didn't know, say, what launching was, what a strategy was, what a sales funnel was, what any of those things were. And that meant I didn't even know what to be Googling or where to start even learning the stuff. I just knew that like, hey, there are such things as marketing strategies. Sometimes you try them, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Um, And as I kind of got better at piecing together all those 
all those pieces, it just became a lot simpler to understand, okay, here's why you launch and here's how that strategy works. And then here's how you build a passive funnel and here's why that would benefit you. So like, I think finding ways to make it simple and make sense for your lifestyle is really key. But then also understanding that it can feel overwhelming because there's so many different ways to market and so many moving parts within marketing. You need to find the starting point. You need to find, okay, how do I attract readers? Where do I take them from there? Like, what is the next step? And so if you get overwhelmed, it's really about finding where do I start and where's the next step from there? And how do I take those steps? How do I continue to build a pathway rather than just going, let's try this and let's try that and let's try that and then let's give up and let's try again. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And for for anyone who's listening who has never even thought about marketing yet, where what would your um, advice be on where to start? Um, I think that, like, again, it would be figuring out your ideal reader, but like an additional thing that can be really helpful is to understand what the heck marketing is, because that's, that's the other thing. It's like, if it's really overwhelming, of course it will be if you just don't get what marketing is. So if you were to sit down and go, okay, within marketing, you know, there is launching, there is evergreen marketing, there is, you know, passive income, and there's, you know, direct being on sales calls, which doesn't really fit into selling books, but depends how you want to go about doing it. Um, you know, there's in-person marketing and, and there's like all kinds of different types of marketing. I think getting really clear on, okay, if I were to pick a type of marketing that I want to learn about and focus on, what would that be? What's included in it? And that's going to help you to understand, you know, what's going to benefit your lifestyle and like just make it that much simpler to understand and kind of go from there. I think that would be really helpful. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I can concur, having a solid idea on who your ideal reader is, is is definitely a game changer because, I mean, ever since I did that and I've named my ideal reader Jessica, (laughs) ever since I figured out who Jessica is, like my writing has become so much easier because I know that I'm just writing for that one person. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think once you get your head around the fact that it's, Although you're thinking about it as one person, it's not just one person. Because if you think about yourself and think about the things that you like and then think about how many other people in the world like the same things as you, that's essentially what you have when you have an ideal reader. You have this bog standard person that you've created, but there are other people out there who also like those things. Yeah, and that's exactly it. I think writers get really overwhelmed when they... They think about, you know, oh, my book has to be really impressive and it's going to be read by so many people and what if no one likes it? And then especially with sequels, it's like, well, I've got to meet the standard of the first book and Mm -hmm. it's got to be even better. And so when you take all that pressure off and you go, okay, let's focus on just writing for one kind of person and sitting down and getting that story out and not worrying about whether everyone's going to love it or not, because not everyone's going to love it. But if you aim your efforts towards a kind of person that's going to serve a lot of people yeah and do you know what i don't even have anything else to add to that so i think we will end the podcast here you have dropped some really good gems for our listeners and if anyone you know as i said earlier if anyone wants the trello board or some more information i will leave links in the description box below and thank you so much for being here because it's been wonderful to have you back on the podcast thank you for having me